Hey there fellow geeks and nerds, Gareth here. Just a reminder before the show starts that we are accessible on all the usual social media haunts. Facebook, you can find us on facebook.com slash thegeeksjournal. Instagram, at thegeeksjournal. Twitter, at geeksjournaluk. The Geeks Journal is available on most podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, you get the picture. So please, feel free to share and recommend to anyone you think might enjoy it as much as I hope you are too. If the moment should take your fancy, leave a little comment or review. Apparently it helps. I have no idea how, but apparently it does. Thanks for sticking with me through all the boring spiel. And now, on with the show. Greetings and salutations, fellow geeks and nerds, and welcome back to the Geeks Journal podcast, the show where a bunch of old friends rewatch films from their past and see how well or how badly they've held up along the way. I'm your host, Gareth, and I'm pleased to be back with a full complement of the collective. So, welcome to Damien, Lee, Luke, and Ollie. Gentlemen, hello! Hello! I know what you're all thinking, listeners, and I would have to agree with you. No. After Star Crash, I've absolutely got no idea why Ollie's been allowed back either. But. <laughs> He is, we're all here together, and Ollie's probation shall be under review in the spring. <laughs> now, this episode we're going along with Luke's birthday selection, which was the Guy Ritchie 2000 Contemporary Gangster Farce Snatch, where unlicensed boxers and promoters, jewel thieves, jewelers, travellers, and Russian arms dealers all come together in a series of unfortunate events, which we're all going to try and break down in this episode. Now. I just want to get a feel for people's exposure of this film over the years. I mean, uh, Luke, I'll come to you in a second. Um, Damien, I think you and I are going to be quite similar because I think we sort of really found this movie together. Yeah, I mean, like I did, like, like we did, like I didn't see it in the cinema. I think, like we, yes, yeah, it we had a shared. Moment. Didn't come to <laughs> devices for a reason, which um, I used to work in the bingo hall that was attached to the cinema. Then the owner of the bingo hall took the cinema over. And he had a woman up near Birmingham book all his films and they had a rule, no 18s, because you could only show it X amount of times and you wouldn't make, it wouldn't make any money. So that's why we never had it oh, in, our little, okay. in our little market town cinema. So, yeah, yeah. so it was, we watched the shit out of that DVD when I got well, we got hold of it. So good. Yes. <laughs> Still got mine. I didn't watch it. I, I, on that, I thought, like, just to be on the safe side, I'll watch it on Netflix, where I think we were all watching it at the time anyway. Um, but I'm presuming, because I know that you bought this recently, Damien, I'm presuming you watched the 4K. Oh, I have. That. Yes. Yes. Right. Surprising. <laughs> and it's actually very good. Sony's done a bang-up job, actually. Very good picture. Sounds excellent. It's fantastic. Excellent. Excellent. Um, Ollie, how about yourself? Um, I kind of thought I had seen this at the cinema, but I don't... I think I must have seen it on DVD. It's quite upmarket for you. I know. I was thinking I probably wouldn't. I definitely had lock stock <laughs> on video. He was buying Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> I thought he was almost going to say, "I know." It's almost like I wouldn't. I wouldn't watch a DVD. <laughs> I, I surprised myself. A DVD? What was it? Did it have a Betamax release? <laughs> <laughs> it's because it didn't have a laser disc release that I had to get it on DVD. Yeah, of course. <laughs> 
It's like the trailer that was on a projector because the trailer was shown on a projector because we that was everywhere. It was like, kick the bloody plug. Is that Brad Pitt? Well, they were all taking the piss out of the film. So, yeah, Ollie saw it on a overhead projector. <laughs> <laughs> but it wouldn't have been for until a couple of years after the fact because I think I was probably late seeing um, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels as well. So it wasn't until after that that I probably then saw that Snatch was out so then just consumed that thinking like Guy Ritchie was going to be like the next big thing he'll have a role of these types of films <laughs> little did we know well just married Madonna instead <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, we're all thinking it <laughs> yeah. We're all, yeah we're all thinking <laughs> so, it although I have nothing against the Sherlock films at all though he bounced back. Yeah, so I, I really, I really enjoyed those, and actually, his um, what's the the current one, The Gentleman? Yes, I think is really entertaining. That's a great movie, absolutely great, and I, and I think that's the thing. Like when you when you a lot of stuff that he did, he sort of gradually sort of whittled away and kind of went back to not formula because you know it's always nice when directors try and push the boundaries of what they're doing a little bit, but you can tell that. You know, like the, after after the swept away of it all, he realized, oh shit, no wait, I can't make crap like this, and let me go back to what I vaguely know. Well, about. that's it. And... He had a very distinct style for these two films, and he incorporated though that style in the Sherlock movies to to great effect. Yeah. And oh, completely. You know, there was a couple of films in between which I I didn't really enjoy, but yeah, the, the gentleman kind of like was the accumulation of all of all of those films and all of his kind of let's say education so i think he's like yeah he's back on a roll i would say i would like to think so i hope so because he was kind of like the the british darling like director at the time and there were like great hopes for him he's definitely coming back in a not a big way but when you think that he had the gentleman released i don't know if he's making the aladdin sequel after he made the first I one. I think he is down to do Aladdin 2. The, they're making an Aladdin sequel. Sorry, what? You do realise that in the animated... Yeah, I know there's Return of Jafar, right? <laughs> they're making that in live action. They're not making Return of Jafar live action. We don't know what it's going to be just yet, but they are doing a sequel to the live action Aladdin that they made. Whether that is the Return of Jafar that we know, in quotes. Oh my God. Or if they're do- or if they're doing another one, you realise Lee there was actually a third sequel. Lock, stock, and two smoking lamps. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I no, I was not aware of this. <laughs> they did, they did, they did, they did Aladdin, the King of Thieves, which was animated feature where they actually brought Robin Williams back to voice the genie. Really, Return of Jaf- Yes, Return of Jafar. It was Stan the- Castellaneta, right? Yes. He did it in the animated, he did it for the TV yeah. show and, and, and they did yeah, so and he did it for Return of Jafar, which is actually a prequel to the TV series, and then they have it so that they brought Robin Williams back to do the King of Thieves, which focuses around Aladdin's finding his father and, and finding out where he's been and stuff. Oh. But I'm I'm getting off topic. The the thing with Guy Ritchie, I mean, like at the moment now, you know, there's the potential where he's got the the Aladdin live action sequel he has most recently had a movie with jason statham come out which i think was on amazon prime as well called wrath of man and he's also got the movie which is just coming out called operation fortune the 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 ruse de guerre which is the 
Jason Statham, Audrey Plaza, um, Josh Hartnett movie that's coming out, the con movie that's coming out. That's a good cast. Yeah, yeah, and it's got it's got all sorts like Hugh Grant's in it again, Max Beasley, Carl uh, Carl, I can never pronounce his name. Elwes, Els, you know, uh, Princess Bride. Mm. Saul. Oh, uh, Carrie Elwes. So Carrie Elwes, thank you. Why did I say Carl? That was weird. I was literally reading Carl. that. I think. <laughs> hey, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> Insert Walking Dead meme here. Well. <laughs> walking walking dead jokes are plenty coming up later Indeed. And, and and of course sorry there's one more that i want to talk about in, in, in terms of guy Ritchie's movies man from uncle as well great movie doesn't get enough recognition i think i think it's really entertaining <laughs> for the benefit of the listener the entire room just went blank when gareth said man from uncle because clearly Everyone none of us baby. have seen it <laughs> i've not watched it i have i've only seen clips of it so i can't okay. comment damien seen it <laughs> That that movie made me think. Wait a minute, Henry Cap Henry Cavill could be the next Bond. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Harry Cavill, Ham Henry Cavill, Henry Cavill. Look at that, Ollie. Gareth has surpassed you on the old mispronunciations tonight. Whoa, hang on. Do you really want to say surpassed? Do you really want to use the word surpassed? Oh, so I meant, I meant as in had the first one, first one of the episodes. Nah, Henry Cavill, <laughs> King of the Nerds. Anyway. Henry Cavill. <laughs> it's, it's what he's known as <laughs> in my circle. The man, the man plays and paints Warhammer. <laughs> if Superman can do it, then we can too. <laughs> so, Lee, on that note, I want to come to you next. Henry Cavill. Because Henry Cavill. To, 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 in, in terms of Henry Cavill. <laughs> that, I mean, we talked about this at the last episode. You've never seen this movie before, have no, you? No, I had not. I went in, not with low expectations, but I went in not expecting to like this one because it's never really appealed. Um, I've often said I, I don't tend to like crime ones, I, for want of a better <laughs> word, you know, that kind of genre. Like, you know, I've never really, The Godfather's never yeah. appealed. Weirdly, I do enjoy the, uh, is it Ed? Burn, Rachel Vice, Confidence. I really like that film. But I've never seen like an Oceans film. I've never seen, you know, uh, although actually probably heist movies I probably would enjoy. Uh, I was going to say, like, uh, I think like, you, you, like you're not a fan of gangsters, of, of, of movies of organised crime, organized crime, as it yeah, were. Yeah, that's it, yeah. But like, like the heists mm. and, and, and particularly heists which have quite a farcical element to it. I think mm. Confidence is, a, a again... Great movie, very mm. underrated. Wonderful performance by Dustin Hoffman, and I can't really think of many films that Ed Burns has done that I can really r- recall substantially. But in confidence, Pri- I Private think he's, Ryan, he's a bit part in that, but yeah, true, yeah. But he's, but he's, it, it's a really great performance. To be honest, like that cast as a whole, like across the board, stands out really mm. nicely. Yeah, very good cast. So, um, Luke, closing off with you quickly, because this was your choice. Obviously, you touched on it that like you you mainly went for it because you wanted to look for something that you hadn't watched in a while. That was one that you, you know that you that you watched a fair bit in your in your in your formative years. Like like tell us a bit more. Like like what what was the final clincher for that for you? Um, 
I mean, I'm kind of a bit of the opposite to Lee. I quite like these type of films, um, sort of like the organised crime, sort of gangster films. I love The Godfather. I mean, if you watch it, you love it. Come on, Lee, watch it. Yeah. <laughs> One day. One day. And you can't can't judge it until you watch it, you know? We had to watch Starcraft before we realised it was shit. Yeah. Anyway, um, lost my train of thought. Uh, yeah. No, um, so I watched this... I got the DVD, so I didn't watch it in the cinema. I know that. Um, and obviously, it explains Dame's explanation actually confirms why I probably didn't watch it in the cinema mm. then, because I don't recall. Yeah, yeah quite. Um, um, but yeah, no, it was back in like the... Well, it was a DVD. It was a box set with Lock, Stock and Two Smoker Barrels. Um, I've got both still. Um, I think Lock, Stock was... I saw Lock, Stock um, first. I think I caught like the second half of the film at some point, which then, in, whilst at college, going... HMV, what we got? Oh, look, I'll buy that. Um, um, so I ended up buying like the double box and watching both. And that's when I really, obviously, well, that's when I lo- loved it. Um, mm. I do, I, I say, I love it. I do love this film. I've forgotten how, for me, how funny it was and how memorable some of the quotes are. And I said to Damien yeah. earlier, I just read a quote and I just think of the film and just start chuckling to myself. Mm. Um, that's why I like it. <laughs> I chose this. It's because it's different to what we've done. I hadn't seen it for years, but I mean, I've had seen it quite yeah. a lot when it felt like when I first got the DVD, like, I probably watched it like once a year or something like that. Um, but yeah, I hadn't seen it for a while. And that's one of the reasons why I chose it. Cause I knew, well, I hoped at the time of choosing that someone hadn't seen it. And yeah, I was right. <laughs> of course it's Lee. Cause it's always Lee. <laughs> of course, of course it's going to be Lee. If anyone's <laughs> going to have not seen it, it's going to be Lee. I am the resident audience member. Luddite. Lud- Luddite. <laughs> <laughs> Heathen, take it. Yeah. <laughs> choose your definition. Heathen's probably more correct in the in terms of movie fans. Yeah, I'm just a filthy <laughs> casual. There's no robots in oh. this, is there, Lee? No, no, no. Only some. I desperately ones. tried to find. I desperately tried to find a Transformers reference in this. I oh. came up came up blank. You'll be pleased to know. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. On that note, let's get into it. It's actually really funny, Luke, you were saying about like when you think about the quotes, one of the first notes that I wrote down when I started watching this was, how much can I still quote verbatim? I also had a slight moment like like going through the the opening credits when they're riffing off everyone's names and you're seeing everything, this very fast-paced little montage. I just got to the point where it's like you could tell, like you could... It just felt very weird to me where it just said featuring Jason Fleming went featuring Jason Fleming. Like, I don't know how much he had done at this point to be justified as listed as featuring. He was in Lockstock and then literally went in to do Snatch for Guy Ritchie. It just very, very odd choice of phrasing in that. Didn't realize this was produced by Matt Vaughan. Mm. Did not actually know that before. Yeah, they did Lockstock together and this and then they kind of fell out, I think. Madonna had some material. I think they fell out a lot when he got married to Madonna. I think they had a falling out. I mean, it's amazing he actually had any friends left mm. after that. <laughs> it's just, I can't, yeah, I, that was so weird. Hasn't he just bought an airfield down in Devon? As yes. in, like, yeah. the news today? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Time of recording. <laughs> he has. <laughs> what? Yeah. Look, look it up on BBC. Guy Ritchie has bought an airfield in, like, Devon or something. Yeah, right next to his home. <laughs> <laughs> so the yeah, I I love that opening credits. You can see a lot of kind of like traits of 
of Lockstock in this movie. Like he, like, like Richie has a very definite style at this point, and it's something that definitely sort of transposes between both films. And you see so many. I think if you recognize some of these people up front as well, like Statham. Again, I don't think he had done a substantial amount at this point. No, he'd been a swimmer or a diver. He, he was an Olymp. He was a- He was an Olympic diver. Oh, was he a diver? Wasn't he? So I he think was he was a diver. diver. Was a yeah, highboard diver. I I never knew that. Once. Yeah. yeah. There, there is footage know. on there is footage online of him competing. And he is very good and it does it does explain like like later on why he's like brilliant in action flicks, you know, like when I first saw him in um I think one of the first action flicks I saw him in was like The Transporter. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually quite enjoy that film. And he is he does some incredible stunt work in that film. I mean, there is some like Jackie Chan style combat sequences in there where, you, you know, he's involving like ladders and planks of wood and items of clothing. And it, yeah, you've got to have like a, a real like physicality about you to do that. And I obviously his gymnastic skills from high diving. Mm. Well, heavily underplayed in this film, but. Mm. <laughs> um, you know for for future films i think the most that he actually utilized his muscles in this was to lift up the caravan door <laughs> in the next scene <laughs> it, he's not like this isn't sort of i guess atypical role for him isn't it really he doesn't he does like barely any action i thought would well, no you I, I mean at this point when he first started out like between like Lockstock and this movie particularly and I'm just having a quick scroll through his his earlier credits anyway, but like at this point he was sort of doing more acting, more, more acting, more comedic as well. Mm. Like you know, he's very, like like he is he is very funny in mm. these movies, mm. and I don't think you really get to see as much of like his comedy chops sort of through the years, right up until like I don't know if any of you have seen Spy yes, before. That's exactly what I was which thinking. I fucking love that film. It's very like, very it's funny. So stupid. Hobbs and Shaw is quite funny. Oh, Hobson Shaw is phenomenal. He's he's quite way after Spy. He's very good in a double act. Yeah, because yeah. he works very well with Tommy. He works very well with um, Dwayne Johnson in Hobson Shaw. And um, oh, I'm trying to think what else he's like a double act in. But even ah, oh, d- dare I, I say like it? Even the. the yeah, the expendables, the expendables as well. And, yeah. You know, although I can't imagine he had probably uh, many funny lines in the uh, Italian Job remake. As oh. no, I think that's just one big joke on everyone in <laughs> itself. <laughs> I was actually just scrolling through Statham's credits while we were talking, and it's like one of his credits in 1994. So before he actually made it, he was actually doing some music videos. He did a music video for um, The Shaman. <laughs> <laughs> As a background dancer. Right. Brilliant. He also did one in 1997 for Yellow, which was called To the Sea, and he's just credited as Swimmer. <laughs> but I found one where he did, he's in Erasure's music video for Run to the Sun, and it simply says, Silver Painted Dancer. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Oscar I mean, role. Yeah. I mean, call me, call me a weirdo. I kind of weirdly want to find that now. <laughs> <laughs> That's so ridiculous. But yeah, but Lock, Stock and Snatch were the first two roles that he 
that he did like like tv or movie though like those are the first ones that he did and so you can see like that's he he definitely kind of like ranks up and goes into more kind of like action movies as he goes but i think like ollie's right in the sense of like he at this stage he works better in either like an ensemble or a or a or a duo he's not quite that he's not quite that leading man state yet Mm. and i mean what what a great double act in this movie anyway and there's lots of double acts in this movie there's lots of pairings off as we go but like you know the first one that we see is jason statham and now not necessarily at the time but now iconic british acting talent of stephen graham Mm. Mm-hmm. Very odd to not I... hear him with his Scouse accent. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a few bits where but... it slips and it, it it comes through, but I mean, he's definitely not the worst accent in the film. <laughs> no, no. Fight no. <laughs> by, by any extent, but no, I think like Steve, Stephen Graham in this because I think I was reading somewhere he he wasn't going to audition at some point, but he was. Yeah. Yeah. But he had to he 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 improvised. So I was reading his uh, Stephen Graham is dyslexic mm. or something. So he so he couldn't just read this read the script. He just improvised something, and Guy Ritchie just went him. But what what an opening scene! This this one this has always stuck with me. I think it's just hilarious, and it's I mean okay right listeners, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out on front street right now. Uh, you get you may hear some terms, you may hear some language that you might not like. Um, if you if you've seen the movie, which I'm presuming if you're listening, you have, but there's going to be some terms and some phrasings and words that you might not like, and I apologise. We're only saying it in context of the film because that's how they say it. This is your trigger warning. Yeah, <laughs> and I don't know why it's always amused me, but it's like the bit where they're talking about buying the caravan and it's like, I want a new one, Tommy. You're going to buy it for me. And it's when they're walking down with the camera panning along with them and you go, fuck me, hold tight. <laughs> What's that? And it's the whole, it's my belt circus. You go, no, there is a gun in your trousers, Tommy. What the fuck is a gun doing in your trousers? And it's the ongoing joke. He says, <laughs> for protection. You go, From what? The Germans. The Germans. <laughs> I mean, that's just typical sort of the time for the British, and it? it was like oh, completely. It's like the Germans, uh, yeah. Um, oh, just oh, that 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 only line dated it for me, just because it's like I could just picture yeah. that sort of that that era when we were sort of mocking the Germans. Was <laughs> <laughs> it the it's, opening it's... scene the bit with Benicio del Toro's character though, where he's in disguise? Have I, have I, yes, so... Am I remembering this? In no, the that's, that's after. No. That's after. So no, well, no, 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 no. Because the no, Lee's right. Because the the opening scene is the bank job. Mm. And it goes into the credits the, of who they all. And are. then it goes ah. into the credits where you see all of the other characters. Uh, yeah, okay. my mistake. Yeah. I mean, and then, but but then we get to this bit. Yeah, just say we all watched this a few weeks ago, but because of me <laughs> can make the we, we had to post the date a few weeks yeah, so circumstances yeah, yeah. the circumstances you know um so everyone's like going, yeah, very various about- circumstances across the board <laughs> we were all ready and then it was like well there's a went i can't do it tonight i went oh okay and then luke turned around who had like like for all very legitimate reasons everyone just turned around and said oh yeah i don't think we do and then luke just went oh, i definitely can't do it i said well it's your choice i can't talk about it without you there so this is you know we're uh, at time of recording, we're a solid three weeks later. 
Mm, maybe it been longer. that long? Well, I thought it was only like two weeks ago. Two, I think it's only two weeks. Two so weeks? It's been like four weeks since I watched the film, so I'm like, yeah, yeah. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the film does start with the uh, the diamond mm. heist at the start, mm. which actually yes. I'd, I had totally forgotten about that sequence. And actually, that is one of my favourite sequences it's because really it's well just... Done. Because it's so funny as well. You've got, at the time, you don't know, but Benicio Del Toro playing this Jewish diamond merchant, potentially. Like this Hasidic Jew and, and it's, is and it's, holding up. Her. And it's the things they're saying, the way they're talking. It's all like the banter between these four Jewish guys is they're very, meant to be very rabbis, good. rabbis, aren't they? I assume I don't so. Know. I, I'm making it it's very, it's very racial stereotyped. Yeah, yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. meant to be a riff on the um, Reservoir Dogs, like a virgin thing. With yeah, yeah. so it's it's Sky Ritchie's take on that. Oh, but it is very It is funny. I mean, Luke's right. It's very stereotypical. Um, but they're talking about the scriptures and things like that as they're going as a as a way to throw everyone off, and then when they get into the vault where everything's happening. That's 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 when the high school kicks off, and you see Benicio del Toro just tooled up, <laughs> like almost Matrix style, flings his coat open with a bulletproof vest on. Well, they warned them, don't they? And he, he's got that fat suit thing on, isn't he? Thing, and, and he says, "What do you want me to drop my pants?" <laughs> and he's all, yeah, they're all tooled up to fuck. Yeah, <laughs> but this is like a good example of where he's kind of like. Um, given like his film style like a punch of adrenaline mm-hmm. it, you just kind of see it all kind of come together in this first opening sequence you know the camera angles the security camera the language that's used in the script and then the soundtrack as well but they're also just like the action sequences i think it's it's lock stock is him finding his way and then this film he kind of like turns it up to 11 in this film f- yeah. throughout i agree so Anything after this is where he's kind of like he's found his footing. So it's, it's it's kind of nice that it's really early on, and this one is so accentuated. And yeah, and the stereotype characters, but the, you know they're all very cartoonish, aren't they? Throughout the film, which yes, yeah, which makes it like funny and laughable, and it does date it. But I think for maybe for like a an, an English viewer it kind of it adds a sense of nostalgia as well because it's it's quite relatable to other TV series or older like films or not to the carry-on extent, but of that ilk where everyone is a, a caricature and a cartoon. I think so, yeah. I, 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 I think there are certain elements of this movie which I think various international audiences may not know how to gauge. If that makes sense, like I think there's like. But the interesting thing is, I think they also flag that up in the film where one of the New Yorkers comes over, and it's just like everything that's very English is like just just bewilders him. The guy from America, Avi, is played by the late Dennis Farina, who I had watched previously. He plays Ray Bones in Get Shorty, which again, brilliant movie, and a great like like he 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 doesn't. Between people like Dennis Farina and Alan Ford, who plays Bricktop, like they don't move out of their lane. They have they have a they have a thing, they have a shtick that works. Like later on when I like later on when Bricktop actually turns up, I actually wrote down Alan Ford dash 
the Cockney Sean Connery. Like, he doesn't <laughs> change anything. But God damn it, if he doesn't stand out and entertains you and draws you in with what he does, it's, it's truly brilliant. But yeah, Dennis Verena, yeah, you, you're right. It's so far. I'll get into that in a little bit. But the 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 whole kind of like confusion as to Britain and 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 how everything works and how everyone behaves and this that and the other. Like this was it? Um, yes, London. Um, fish chips, cup of tea, <laughs> bad beer, worse fucking weather. London. <laughs> I did. I don't know what. Like Luke going back to like like quotable lines. One gag that's always made me chuckle is the whole thing and so what about those uh what about those sausages two minutes turkish where are those ago. sausages going <laughs> five minutes turkish he goes what and it's just it, it's just it's just the look away that statham does almost like almost to the camera he's just on an angle i just oh perfect two minutes five minutes ago but it's also the point of that character what is the point of that character he's just there on a barbecue, just, it's like, just randomly cooking. He br- it's like it's on the grill. He, he brings nothing to the film, but he brings everything to that scene. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and and that's that's what I I do really enjoy about this film. It's the kind of like what's the best way of describing it? It's like the the car crash or the train wreck of all the the characters in it and the cartoonish yeah. characters that just kind of make it up. And it's the but it's the slaps. It's the the very subtle slapstick comedy. And, yep. and one-liners. I mean, I won't be able to remember any of the quotes. I'm rubbish at it, but they are all so iconic and now drilled into popular culture. I mean, that's how. Yeah. How, even though Lee's never seen it, he he knows the quotes of that immortal line. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to do. I'm not going to do the voice. But do you like dogs? And <laughs> I, I'm just not. I'm not going to butcher accents. Because we leave that to Brad Pitt in this movie, <laughs> delivering that line. Like, do you like dags? Was this post-fight <laughs> time? Yes, Pretty it was um, straight yes. after. Straight yeah, because that's why he still has, like, the, the physique. Yeah. And that's why everyone found it, like, really interesting that he, he went from such, like, a highbrow kind of David Fincher film. Like, all of a sudden, he was filming in London with Guy Ritchie. Like, and... And whatever, like, you know, personal feelings about his accent, I do think he really does own the role. Oh, completely. He was supposed to have a British accent. He couldn't do it. So he said, I can do an Irish gypsy thing. And fuck it, we'll do that then. That's why. <laughs> that's why. And he didn't. <laughs> he asked to be in a Guy Ritchie film because he saw Lockstock loved it. And Guy Ritchie, yeah, you could be in my next film. Realised he hadn't written anything for him. So he came up with Mickey for him. And he's like, but it's a boxer. I know you've just played... You know, uh, show me the script and he's like I'll do it no I'll do it it's fine. I'll do it so we see Benicio Del Toro after he's done this jewellery heist he's heading over to London and when he gets there he's been told by this Russian go and see my brother you must go and see Boris he can get you anything you need and while this is going on like Benicio Del Toro rings Dennis Farina and this is one like like this whole movie just makes me chuckle all the time. But this one thing has always just astounded me. So I don't understand why it happened, but I'm really glad that it did because every time the camera pans back to Nina Sheldon Toro in that conversation on the phone, he's wearing a different outfit. <laughs> yeah. 
I love that. Like bit this though. conversation, so good. Like this conversation is literally like sixty seconds long, and every time the camera flicks back to him, he's not like you know, like wearing a jacket and then he's wearing a thing. He's wearing a completely different part of an. He's outfit. in a tailor's, isn't he? Yeah. 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 <laughs> is he dressed like Sherlock Holmes at one point, or have I just like imagined that? He's definitely got. No, he's dressed more like Watson, isn't he? He's got like a bowler mm. hat on and stuff. Oh, he has a bowler Very, hat and like a yeah, long cape. Bowler, or bowler hat and tweed that, tweed yeah. jacket and stuff. Yeah, it's oh so good, <laughs> so clever. That's where he has to go and see. I forget. Um, Doug the head. Doug the head. Yeah. Doug the head. That's it. Who's played by Mike Reed? Who's another Cockney Sean Connery? <laughs> like there are so many performers in this who just have that one lane but it is phenomenal mike reed was doing the same shit for like 20 years he's literally frank butcher in a motion picture and you know what not mad at it at all he just really tells those guys on his doorstep to like fuck, fuck off, off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, not, it's not a free shop, not a free is, shop it? is it <laughs> <laughs> fuck off fuck off and he does this thing. If you notice, he has this grimace where you just kind of see his teeth. It looks like he's smiling when he grimaces. <laughs> it's really it's quite disconcerting. <laughs> I did want, like, like when I watched it, when you see Benicio Del Toro's character, who we haven't talked about, is Frankie fucking Fourfingers. <laughs> and when he goes to see Boris, he's looking for a gun so he can protect himself. And I watched this and said, I'm pretty certain that is the same pistol that he gave his brother at the start of the film. It's another Smith & Weston. I just sort of looked at it and just went, I'm pretty sure that like props are just using the same Well, he gun. said, if you want a gun exactly like this, go and see my brother. Ah, I missed so that. So he, 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 that's why he's gone to see him, because he's like, he likes a gun. If you want it, go and see my brother, he'll get you one. Um, so yeah, it's the yeah. exact same gun as he had. Just, it might, I mean, if you could zoom in enough, you probably see this. It might be the exact same gun the props have used, but that's I mean, why. I, I mean, I'm not going to zoom in to find the serial numbers <laughs> or anything like that. But knowing <laughs> what we know about Boris later, are you fucking surprised? He's probably got a whole cupboard full of these things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, completely. So earlier on, when we see Statham's character Turkish and uh, Stephen Graham's character Tommy, the whole thing is, is that Turkish wants a new caravan as a office that he can work out of for his unlicensed boxing fighter called gorgeous george and to do that he's being sent off to a campsite which again listeners you were warned you're gonna hear things that you don't like the definition that they use for this is not a nice one and that is the, the, the campsite full of pikeys so you have Gorgeous George and Tommy go off into this campsite and they're driving through and there is a there, there is a line that is just repeated literally throughout the entire movie by everyone. Uh, to the point, I actually stumbled across a supercut on YouTube like years ago, which was all of it together. <laughs> saying about how much they hate that particular community. And, what, and this is where we get the reveal when they're going to find a character called Mickey who is played by... Mr. Brad Pitt, and where you can basically understand 80% of what he's saying. <laughs> That's generous. <laughs> well, okay, so this is one thing that, like, I'm glad that Damien and I didn't touch on this earlier, but one thing that I wanted to flag was that in the DVD, in the original mm. DVD release that came out for this, <laughs> there was a little hidden feature, and you couldn't select it in the menu. It was subtitles, <laughs> and it was a hidden subtitle you had to go into the pop-up and scroll through to get to, but someone had subtitled the entire Pikey dialogue. <laughs> and that was built into the DVD. That wasn't someone saying, oh, yeah, upload this into the thing. Like, the production company actually put that in. 
those discs <laughs> had so many Easter eggs on them. It's unreal. <laughs> Crazy. It was such a nice touch, but it took yeah. us a while to find it because I think like we were yeah. reading, you know, like D- DVD monthly. Yeah, like, yeah. To year later the co- put the like code that. in. And we and just went fucking. We just went. Wait, hang on a second. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, so you could get the ringtone. There was all the swearing put together as well was a bonus feature at the end. So many <laughs> Easter eggs on that disc. When so when we see Pitt, they sell this caravan to him, and it's all a con because while they're while they're being you know like charmed over. By the by, the gypsies. Someone else is screwing around with the caravan. So when they pull it away in the truck, it falls off the wheels. And that's what I get. Just like one of those random lines in the entire thing. Which is because, sorry, Vicky, you can keep your caravan. Why the fuck do I want a caravan that's got no fucking wheels? <laughs> you know. <laughs> sorry, this is just going to be like ninety minutes of quoting mm. the movie. <laughs> so they have the arrangement, don't they? They said that they're going to. Ha- All right. Well, look, fight you for it because gorgeous George, huge. Forget the actor's name now, but he's he, he's he's done a truckload for British cinema. He's in Legend, actually, the the Cray movie with Tom Hardy. He said, okay, well, you fight me. If you win, you get your money back. And if I win, we keep the money and the caravan, and you go on your fucking way. And he's just getting his ass kicked, and that's when you realise something not quite right with Mickey. That's when he takes his shirt off, and Ollie, as you point out, man's just Brad Pitt's just still shredded from Fight Club, but tattooed up to the nines, and in one punch, takes down this mammoth of a man. As you find out, he is a bare knuckle boxing champion, which in Turks' definition makes him harder than a coffin nail. <laughs> there is a moment in that bit which really stood out for me, and it was when, like, like, like Stephen Graham not saying a word. Like Statham has got his narration overdubbing, but you just see the ex- the, the like, like the whole scene play out on Stephen Graham's face because while this is going on, the the gypsies are working out like. Basically, you can you can't hear the dialogue, but they're having this struggle as to what's going to happen. Look, you, like like they like one of them's down. We've got to kill them both and get gone. And Stephen Gray, it's just like the odd. He just sheds this single tear while everything's playing in front of him. It's like honestly, it's bizarrely one of my favorite scenes of the entire film. I just think it's the really subtle. There's always like so much sort of action and 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 cocky, witty banter and stuff like that. And that's one of the few times that you actually see some sort of dread for lack of a better word does that make sense like you see a humanity as to what like you see a humanity to what's actually happening there's one more and we'll get to that during the fight actually there was one thing that that got me and day i don't know if you know the answer to this or not but like because there's the bit when george first punches him they just have a very quick cut to the fight yeah it's and he punches mickey and it's just the way he switches his head and do was that a raiders reference yes it's yeah it is it is indeed. So it raises a lot of reference where Marion punches Indy, isn't it? Is where Indy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to steal, steal from the best. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but it's almost to the expression as well. It's, yeah. yeah. We jump back to London while that's going on and we see Lenny James. Lord Shax himself. <laughs> yeah. Yep, Lord Shax. And before he was fearing the walking dead... He plays a character called Solomon, also known as Sol. And this is where we also see... Oh, who plays Vincent? Robbie Gee. Robbie G. G. Robbie Gee. Thank you. While they're, doing, <laughs> while they're doing a deal with Goldie, of all people, <laughs> as he's starting to, to break into movies. You mean Bad Boy Lincoln? Bad Boy Lincoln, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's a yardie, isn't he? He's a, a yardie. Bad Boy Yardie yeah. Lincoln. 
Did I tell you I met Goldie before? No. No? Yeah, yeah, I've heard it. I, 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 you told me this then, story. Spell it. <laughs> it's, uh, it's not a big deal. When I, the, the, the club that I used to no big deal. work at and assistant manage, we had Goldie there doing uh, a DJ set one night. A uh, big, uh, big Saturday night thing. He was doing a, 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 a he was doing a, a set there, and me and a couple of the other sort of friends of ours. Just as he was heading out, we did a shot with him before he left. He's <laughs> really nice, but yeah, you did like you. T- he's quite intimidating. <laughs> what shot was it? More importantly, uh, it was Jack Daniels. Well, Jack Daniels for us, but uh, he was drinking vodka. That was part of his rider. He would only drink vodka. <laughs> I do enjoy this whole lack of a better definition, the pawn shop trio, because they get told by Boris, I need you to go and go to the bookies, you row the bookies, whatever's in the bookies, you keep, but I need you to find, because he's also told, this this movie's all over the place, it's fantastic, but like weirdly it all kind of like comes about in the end, because while this is going on, he's, Boris has told Frankie to go and place a bet for him, because Frankie is also a gambling addict, which are then get him distracted so that he can steal the diamond off him that he stole at the beginning of the movie. So he's then like got Sol and Vince to do this thing and they brought in their they brought in their their wheel man, bad boy Tyrone. <laughs> bad to the bone. Ain't you Tyrone? Of course I am. <laughs> and it's like again it's just it's just little bits like they're just physical comedy elements, which again sort of date the movie, but you don't really mind it. It's like little things like where he's picked up like the like the tiniest sob you've ever seen. <laughs> and Tyrone not the most slender of all individuals, so there's a scene where they're at the petrol station. Cause they've also got the dog that Vince <laughs> has got from the gypsies, which they threw in with a load of moody gold. Because they throw dogs in with everything, apparently. That's the joke in this movie that they just, like dogs get given away with everything. But Tyrone just says, sort of like, just watch that dog in my seats." He goes, "It's a stolen car, Tyrone." <laughs> That's probably one thing I should say is that this film was a lot funnier than I expected it to be. I, I'd always imagined because I knew very little about this film. I knew there were some f- comedic lines in this film, yeah. but on the whole, I thought it was quite a serious film with a few quips. Actually, it is it's pretty much just a comedy. Yeah, yeah, from start absolutely. To finish, which I was not aware of at all. It really stands out for it, and I think because like Lockstock again, Lockstock is a funny film, but it is a funny film with sort of conditions, mm, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Because like like you were saying, like, it's a it's a very quippy movie. Mm. This is like outright funny. It's, it it just it plays out to me like a comedy. Like I you know honestly, I, I went in with not low expectations. That's the wrong word, but. You know, what I mean, I just thought I'm not going to like this. You know, I'm not. I'm going to be bored mm. or whatever. But actually, it was yeah. From like minute one, it was funny and intriguing. <laughs> like, well, that's what I mean by like the slapstick element because mm. it really does keep the pace going throughout the film. Yes. It's not a long film, anyway. Mm. But no. it's not like um, I think Lockstock goes in with a little bit more drama. And there's a not that there's like monologues in it, but there's serious dialogue in it. Whereas this is, it's like it doesn't skip a beat. That every, not saying every conversation has a punchline, but it's as good as. Hmm. And it's just like the nature of the people we're talking to. You know, it's like, um, oh Turkish, you take sugar. No, thank you, Turkish. I'm sweet enough. Hmm. Even in like the most serious of situations, there is a joke. Yeah. 
It's the pause that he leaves to do it as well. You're just you're well, waiting for it at that I, point. Oh, yeah. I know some of the. <laughs> I know we skipped ahead of it in the story. But. I know some of the acting may seem a little bit dodgy, but that is like all credit to the script in this, and then to the mm. actors in the way they portray those characters yeah. and the and the way they put those jokes across. Because not all of them are well, actually, probably none of them are comedy actors, mm. and none of them have really gone on to do comedy as such i mean stephen graham has done the odd bit but by god he's done some heavy roles mm. i mean yeah. after this it was band of brothers and then gangs of new york and oh, this is england is you know the only one possibly is mike reek because when he's not when he wasn't in his standards he was a stand-up as well so he had a stand-up oh. he did a stand-up routine yep. it's very, very, very not not safe for work. <laughs> but he has the fewest fewest jokes in the yeah. film, probably. Mm. <laughs> ironic. But yeah, ironic. Yeah, but he's probably the only one. We were you say about like like lines. It, it's things like this with uh, Lenny James and Robert G, who I think are some of the funnier <gasps> oh. pairings out of this. And like even when they're in the car, because he's telling like Sol is telling. Vincent just goes, oh, we need a gun. He goes, oh yeah, I've got that sorted, and pulls out this <laughs> shotgun. He goes, what the. F- fuck is that vincent he goes this is a shotgun soul it's a fucking anti-aircraft gun vincent (laughs) i'm rubbish at the quotes but i just know when it come out it's like just do it i can't say it but i'm just picturing the scene (laughs) it's just oh god like even like like even the next bit because like while they're waiting to do over the bookies it cuts across we go back to we go back to Turkish and Tommy, because this is when he had to come clean about what's happened to Gorgeous George, and he's he, he's you think you think he's dead at this point, like you honestly think Gorgeous George is dead because like in that last scene where Golden Brown is playing, he's there eyes open with blood dripping out of his mouth, and you think he's dead. Spoiler alert: his jaw is just completely shattered, but he's absolutely fine. But the thing is, is that like they can't use Gorgeous George for the fight. So they've got to work out something else. And so while this is going on, they decide that they're going to use Mickey in this fight and they have to go to see the the, the godfather of, of London, as it were, who's a guy called Bricktop, who's played by Alan Ford, who again was also in Lockstock 2 Smoking Barrels. He ran the bar that Sting owned, playing Nick Moran's dad. And this is, I mean, it's just just such a great presence in this movie. It, yeah, it's the, it's a wonderful bit. I'll get to that in a sec. But there's a, but there's a line in that which I actually still use to this day. This is a de- like like a, a quote that I use is that who took the jam out of your donut? It's like twenty years on, I still use that quote. Oh, not not pull your tongue out my ass. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this was not my first exposure to Alan Ford. Actually, I'd seen him in. Funnily enough, another comedic vehicle, which was Steve Coogan's uh, "Knowing Me, Knowing You" with Alan Partridge. He appears. He appears as a very similar character, actually, to Bricktop. Yes, he is. In in one episode mm. of that, he's like he's basically a Cockney gangster. Do you want yeah, to get knocked? Do you want to get knocked up or something like that? He says like. <laughs> but he's in, he's done Dead Ringers. Um, mm. He was in Toast as well. But in real life, he's a vegetarian and is an animal rights supporter. So what what he <laughs> does here? Like, it's like jeez, yeah. he's he's the nice one of the nicest people you can meet. But he plays yeah evil so well. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, it's so good. I, I mean, like that first that first appearance where you see him, where where they where they're talking about him, where he says, where it's like his his favorite method of disposal is a stun gun, a, pla- a, a plastic bag, and some and some duct tape. And while that's going on, he's just it, there, there is such. It's one of the only times that you hear like sort of ominous music playing. Usually, it's a bit of a jukebox movie, but this is one of the only times that you hear like ominous chords just go boom when they get rid when they get rid of the, the get rid of the grass and. He's just said, like turning around to someone. He got that. Fuck are you it's looking those at? Two, the two, two boxes, <laughs> two massive boxes. They're absolutely shitting themselves. <laughs> There's a bit like when they go and see Bricktop, and it's it's just such a, a, a tension builder that when they see him, when they say, "Oh, we've lost gorgeous George," and he just he doesn't put his hand up, I don't think, or anything like that. He just kind of moves his head around and goes shh, not loudly or anything like that. And the second he does. An entire warehouse of people shut up. Just like I've just thought it was always just a little nice touch. That's when you find they got to rig the fight. Mickey's got to go down in the fourth. And that's the whole thing that when you're in Bricktop's pocket, you don't get out again. And we cut back to the bookie's job with the trio outside. I like it's it's the parking scene that I find funny. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the angle is basically that there's, there's a van. Um, and it's got um, Frankie Four Fingers inside. We don't obviously you know that, but they don't know because he's getting changed to go yeah. into the bookies because um, <laughs> they put up in this small car. And obviously Tyrone's the getaway driver, and I can't remember the quote about him being the getaway driver. But what the fuck can he get away yeah. from? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there we go. Um, but literally, there's this massive space, and they were like, "I'm one you park in there." And it's like, "Oh, it's a bit too tight. We can get a fucking jumbo jet through there." Um, but then obviously, when he's reversing in the best, but it's like. He reverses into the van, and obviously then um, Frankie Fourfingers then hits his head on the roof and then knocks himself out. So and then he's like, "Don't move it, don't move it." And it's like, but the whole thing is like, I didn't see it. And Vinny's like, "It's a fucking two-ton van by Tyrone. It's not <laughs> the bag of fucking peanuts now, is it?" <laughs> so good. So good. <laughs> the Tyrone's well, they... was like, "It's a funny angle." Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's behind you, Tyrone. When you reverse, things come at you from behind. There we go. <laughs> So they go in the bookies to go and do it over, but the trouble is, is that because like everything's all interwoven, because Turk, because Tommy screwed up and Gorgeous George is out of the picture, it means they had to change the fighters, which means that all bets that were placed at the bookies are off. So there's no money in the bookies, so they literally get nothing. Isn't she fucking fantastically deadpan? Oh she is god, fucking it's fantastic! Very, very good. All bets. Uh, oh. <laughs> yeah, I ain't fucking selling it. Yeah, it's fucking <laughs> so good. There's a bit actually. I was reading like when um, Lenny James sets off the shotgun. He's holding like, like oh yes, like 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 he's holding his crotch because apparently like the force of the blanks actually knocked the shotgun like into his balls basically, <laughs> and it really <laughs> did actually injure him on set. I get just there's just this great moment of. Like physical comedy, and it's always amused me. I did, like it didn't, I, I, I didn't get it right away. But it's the fact that like they're trying to get out of the bookies after they get away, <laughs> and, they're, and, they're, and they're pulling and pulling and pulling the door. Well, they're, they're pushing and pushing, pushing on. Pushing, they're pushing, they're pushing they're, and pushing so and pushing. Just... But it's a pull door that Tyrone comes out the other side. You go. What are you doing? Are you coming <laughs> <Yeah>. or what? <laughs> after they've taken their masks off and looked directly mm. at the fucking camera. <laughs> yeah. Spite the lens, because what's the line that because what's the line that comes out then when Bricktop asks if they know him? Do you know like, these tits, Errol? <laughs> so, un- 
I know a lot of tits, Gov. I don't know quite any is quite as fucking stupid as these two. <laughs> and he's, he, he, he's a character, actually, the one that plays oh. Errol. I'm going to talk about him in a minute. My favourite deleted scene has him in it. Yes. Yes, that's, that's, that's what yeah. I want to talk about. We get to the... So we've got the boxing match. So we see, like, Mickey's first one. He said, like, he has to keep going to go down in the fourth. I mean, you forgot because as they were putting away... Um, they got in the, the van drive away, and of course, then Tyrone oh, gets yes. out because at this point they move forwards. Frankie Forfingers gets out the van, and then they see him. Then he throws him in the back of the car, and then obviously, is it Vinny? Just goes, "Who the fuck is this, Tyrone?" Uh, <laughs> it's a man with four fingers in a briefcase, Vinny. <laughs> Sorry, can I just double check where we are? Have we had the scene where they're in where Turkish and Tommy are in the field? With the gypsies, yeah. That's, no, that's the, the second that's, fight. That's way later, yeah. That's the second. That's fight. later, yeah. Right. They broke, yeah. They've been, they've been to the, they've been to the campsite once to get Mickey on board. Yeah. Said buy a caravan for his ma. For me ma. His ma. Oh, that's it. We've got the scene where they, yeah, try and negotiate, yeah, buying it for his mum. But then, yeah. But then they've got the negotiation for the next fight, which is the fallout from what happens here yeah. when Mickey again, one punch, the guy goes down. Every person that Bricktop has said placed bets on my guy to win in the fourth round loses a shit ton of money. And so he's going to make it up to him. But in order to do that, he goes to see Turkish again. And this is the next bit that we see where Turkish is going to bail. He's going to skip town for a little bit. He's going to empty the save, take the money and go. And that's when we get to the whole go and put the kettle on scene. He's pressure. He's going to pressure Turkish, and it's like, you, I want to use the pikey for a fight. He is going to go down in the fourth this time. Do I make myself clear? And that's when they have to go to the campsite again to negotiate with Mickey. And he says, oh, "I'll do it for this caravan." Periwinkle blue boys. <laughs> Periwinkle blue. That's right. The boys get a pair of them shoes. <laughs> oh, is this the hair coursing? Mm. <laughs> the hair coursing. Yes. Proper yeah. fucked. What, yeah. Because <laughs> fuck Tommy. What do you mean, fucked? Proper fucked. <laughs> yes, before the Germans get there. Because <laughs> I think that's like the second yeah. second time that's used, I think, in the film. Because it's only like three or four times it's used. Mm. Yeah, yeah, because it's only Turkish that says yeah. it. But it is so like synonymous with the film. You do think it's used much more frequently. Yeah. I think that's just where it's kind of become like a little bit of the zeitgeist of the film, really. I agree. There's a whole thing, like, I like the parallel with that bit, like, with the hair coursing, is when they're also chasing after Tyrone. Oh, yeah. As well. Ah, oh, Tyrone, you silly fat bastard. <laughs> like, it's 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 really clever. I can't remember the track that they use for this now, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's a nice little parallel for that entire sort of scene, and that's when Tyrone has to give everyone up in order to save his own skin. Not that it necessarily works. While this is going on, Boris, Boris the Blade, turns up at the pawn shop to get the briefcase. All he wants is the briefcase because that's where the diamond is, but he hasn't told the guys that, and that backfires because they see the diamond and they want a piece of that instead. But they use Boris's name, and as a result, this is the last time that we see Benicio del Toro. I don't actually think that was Benicio del Toro in that hood. Probably. You mean not. the tea cozy? <laughs> tea, tea cozy. <laughs> and they sh- he shoots him. No more Frankie. <laughs> He takes a briefcase and goes. I mean, he takes more than just the briefcase, right? I mean, so what happens is they, oh, they yeah, have an argument to, yeah. and they put the stone back in the briefcase and lock the briefcase, but they <laughs> don't know the code. So when he kills Frankie Fourfingers, he's like, you just shot the man who's got the, the, the code. So he ends up chopping the hand off. 
Yeah. <laughs> this movie's just this movie's this movie's insane. So fun. <laughs> while they're trying to do this, it's when you see Avi and Doug while they're looking for Frankie. They have to enlist the help of Bullet Tooth Tony, who's another Lock, Stock, Two Smoking Barrels veteran, which is Vinnie Jones. Well, coming off a lot of movies at this point is Vinnie Jones. Like, this was even before he did the Meme Machine movie as well. Yeah. Also starring Jason Statham, wasn't it? Also mm. starring Jason Statham, yeah. Had he done Euro Trip at this point? <laughs> this, yeah. <laughs> I don't think even Road Trip had started uh, at this probably point. Not, I, don't no. think that, I don't think that had been released yet. But it's uh, you got the bit because you got the twins, you got Doug's daughters mm. that you see at the start. Yes, Dad, you told us that. <laughs> yeah, but what I've always enjoyed is that when you when Dennis Farina, like when Abby first meets Bullet Tooth Tony, so do I call you Bullet or Tooth? You can call me Susan if it makes you happy. Yeah, you sat in between the <laughs> twins and you go, you can call me Susan if it makes you happy. You got All right, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that line. <laughs> we get to a point where. You know, the guys had lost the bet during the hair coursing, so Mickey's not going to do the fight, but he's going to get a caravan. Oh, no! No, sorry, I'm fucking that up. He is going to do the fight, but it's the caravan. Because mm. if they won, he was going to do the fight for free. So he's going to get the caravan, but they have to get the money for it. And so he turns, Turkish phones up Bricktop and tells him what to do. He says, you know, we need to buy this caravan for him. And this is where thing, things turn, this is what I was ch- chatting about earlier. This film turns really quickly, really darkly, very fast like this whole montage like 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 literally like almost at the one hour mark the jokes just stop like so abruptly came as quite a surprise like when i first watched it like it's a very like surreally dark moment to what you've seen before when the whole thing is is that like the the hoods have been sent in to send messages to everyone and part of that message to mickey was that he set his mum's caravan on fire with his mother still inside it and all this is done to the to the backdrop of Massive Attacks Angel, which is an incredible track anyway. But to be used in that, the context of that being used in this movie is is haunting. It's truly one of the like the just the whole way that that is framed while all this is going on is it, it is truly something it's else. The, there's also the the clever like juxtaposition of the two scenes that are going on while the burning is going on. Um, Turkish's like slot machines are also getting the sh- shit beaten out of yep. them and. You know, he's potential. Like, what's going to happen to him here as well? You know, that's in that's all interesting and just like, and it's also interesting that this takes place at night. You know, the rest of the the rest of the film is kind of like during the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's 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 almost like a, a I'm not quite sure how to phrase it, but yeah, it's 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 almost like you say it gets darker, but it's it's it's, it's coordinated with the timing of the day. You know, the the shift yeah. in the timeline, which is really interesting. Mm. Mm. And also to think that it is actually just over a course of two days, pretty much as well. Yeah, a lot happens considering, in that two c- days. Considering the pace of it all, I did. I've always chuckled at the, like the, the 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 timing of fate when they're back at the jewelers because <laughs> they don't know where to find Frankie and they don't know what's going on. And then all of a sudden, you've got the daughters on the phone just saying, "Oh yeah, we've got a like like we've got a guy down here with some weird European accent. We think he's Russian. He's got a huge diamond for sale." And then. Boris is just staring down one of the CCTV cameras. It is just this light bulb moment that it's that what's going on. But like, oh, what's that? Oh, what's the guy's name? Rosebud. Rose, yeah, Rosebud, the guy that's working with Dennis Farina's muscle, and it's just they're going. So oh, I'll take care of it. I'll be fine. And then it cuts to he's just like 
half dead in the back seat. <laughs> with Boris in the boot after they finally got a hold of him. You don't look like you never find out what happens, but some major <laughs> shit went down. But I think like what what's always amused me is the thing where he said, "Well, how we how are we gonna like how are we gonna get rid of him?" And Rosebud said, "Oh, I'll do, I'll do it. I've got a knife." And it's again this very slapstick moment where he pulls out this 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 switchblade or something like that, and it's just the way that Vinnie Jones just goes like, "No, what are you gonna do? butter some toast." There's a proper blade in the back, and he pulls out this massive hatchet from the, <laughs> from under the seats. It's just. It is a, a a weird moment here in this bit because while this is going, there's like three different it's, it's stories happening. All, this is the sequence where they all kind of converge, isn't it? All the yeah. characters come together. Yeah, yeah through like various <clears> time real moments where they're all in vehicles. Yeah, and it and at the start of like the sequence, it's all a little bit like dis- disorientating, mm. and you're not quite sure what's going on. But yeah, then all of a sudden it all kind of come comes together. But I was just going to say, actually, I was, I I do actually really like Vinnie Jones in this because oh, he's great because this is before he becomes like the parody of Vinnie Jones, you know, like yeah, I'm the juggernaut, bitch. <laughs> yes, yeah, we were all thinking it, yeah. indeed. And, but it's, it's 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 his lack of acting skill, I think, in this, and his deadpanness, and but just like how he's reciting the lines that he's either reading or he has learnt, and I. I yeah, they are flawless because of it. Because of like the chinks in his acting. Yeah, I was like, that way he works in Gone in sixty seconds, where he doesn't speak until right at the end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> potential unpopular opinion. I've never actually seen Gone in sixty seconds. What? How Wait, have you never a, seen that's Gone a in Nick sixty seconds? Film you haven't seen? Yeah. Jeez. Nah. Who are you, and what have you done with the real Gareth? I'm sorry. You, like, like, no Godfather, no opinion. <laughs> it's not the party. I'm not. I'm not the Nick Cage obsessive man. <laughs> I don't know necessarily where I got this this reputation well, for being a Nick Cage fanboy. <laughs> I am a Nick Cage fan, but I was no fanboy. Like, like, <laughs> You're shrine to Nick Cage that we don't see, but we know you've got. <laughs> it's like in one of the like, the air cupboards like, or about. something. <laughs> based around like seven movies really <laughs> anyway oh, <dear>. moving on <laughs> yeah I, 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 i'm gonna get to this bit where the the pawn shop trio well, i think i've a better name for it but you know it, it does works. what it says on the tent where they've 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 got guns that fire blank so they can try and get the upper hand on everyone <laughs> and they find tony because he's got the briefcase and he sits down with the briefcase and he's drinking a pint of guinness and has one of two great speeches of this movie, and we've missed one. Oh, yeah. We should just say prior to this, though, there has been an accident involving at least them. two out of the three cars. It's out of the three because the... Um, so, so Turkish and Tommy, so... They're going to see um, Boris because the gun doesn't fire that Tommy yeah. bought from him. Um, obviously, you got the... the Portop Trio are going to see Boris because they want to get the diamonds. And then, of course, the others have got Boris in the back to go to his house to get the diamonds. Going the other way. Yes, yeah. But yeah. Be- so while this is going on, like, Tommy throws Turkish's milk out of the window. That then hits the pawn shop trio's car, which then has them crash into. The, the- they just. Yeah, which they- then yeah. has them, which then has them crash into Bullet Tooth Tony's car. 
Yeah. And then Boris gets out of the car, but then Turkish and Tommy run him over. Drive into Boris? No. So the the pawn shop trio, <laughs> they, then they crash, just crash into a pillar because yeah. they can't see. Then Boris then leaves the boot of the car and is then yep. hit by um, the is it the pawn shop boys? No, it's by Turkish and Tony because, like you said, like the pawn shop trio was smashed into a lamppost. No, 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 that's Tony. Yeah, because yeah. then they, they uh, because then okay. um, Boris then goes back to his house and picks up the shotgun, which is where Tommy was going to have a go. He's got the minerals. Yeah, because all of a sudden he's like gained some bollocks. He's going to have a go. Yeah. But then Boris walks out the house with like some AK-47 and scares the living shit out of the two of them. But we've also missed the the fate of Rosebud. Should we bring Rosebud and Tony? What bit do you want to bring? And he's in the back <laughs> impaled with the fucking hatchet. See, that's the Incredibles corner, because how the fuck did that turn around? They're yeah. so massive. How's it fucking yeah. flipping yeah. the car? <laughs> okay, let's do it. And now, we welcome you to another edition of Lee's Incredulous Corner. Really should take my name off it. <laughs> I disagree. I disagree. Britain's dumbest criminals are out. <laughs> They're waiting to be told by Tyrone when they show up at Boris's house. <laughs> As Tyrone's looking out and sees Boris, and so they follow him from Boris's out, and that's where they all intertwine. Uh, yeah, because they 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 run Boris over. Yeah, that's hmm. where my notes start getting a little slim. But yeah, we have this gun monologue by like, like, like with Tony, and I'm not going to do the whole thing. But it's very it it it's very Team America. What? There are three types of people in this world: <laughs> big brave bulls, and <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. But there's the but there's that speech. But we've also got Bricktop speech to the trio earlier on with the with the with the definition of nemesis, which is which is always just always amused me. It's like it's not supposed to be a funny moment, but like Alan Ford delivers it in such a menacing way, you have to I laugh. I think it is meant to be a funny moment. <laughs> but it's like but but it's so menacing, like like you could like you couldn't hmm. necessarily see it. Either way, but it is done in such a way that like you kind of have to find it funny, otherwise it would just be truly <laughs> this, this, <laughs> truly terrifying. Not only is into dog fighting, he has a pig farm which he feeds dead bodies to. Yeah. <laughs> so this this yeah. man is it's look on Goldie's yeah. face when he goes, I know who you are, and he just shits himself. Yeah, my yeah, my notes get quite thin on the ground after this because I was just literally just in for the ride at this point. So while this is going on, we like like Tony is convinced the trio to well it's because they've got he's got a gun that says desert eagle 5.0 and he yeah, they've got one replica. that says replica <laughs> and he's seen a replica <laughs> on it yeah you find out exactly why boris has got two nicknames which is boris the blade and boris the bullet dodger because literally every single thing that this world has had to throw at him in this movie he's gotten back up from again i'm still not 100 percent sure he didn't die from those gunshots why is he called boris the bullet dodger because <laughs> he dodges bullets savvy <laughs> <laughs> Again, just so deadpan, so to the point. But it's it's very funny. Pace of this movie is just truly insane. Like, like, like especially at this point. I mean, like Ollie, you were saying earlier that this this is supposed to take position of like a couple of days. I think so. It's never really clear, is it? No, um, no. But it I'm... is. It's the start. It's a week. Is it a week? 
Turkish, a week. Turkish monologue at the start of the film, which then ends the film. For a week ago, I was a boxing promoter, a happy boxing promoter. What do I know about diamonds? And then it's it, so it's it, uh, yeah yeah it's it it's condensed, but the whole thing, the end of the film is a week. Uh, it, it is an end of a week. Uh, okay, it's very condensed. Mm. I mean, the whole thing is a whirlwind. I mean, good grief! Like, where are we up to now? So, but so uh, so Boris has been shot several several times. Yeah, so they're in the obviously in the pub, and obviously Abby's gone to the um, toilet. I think to clean up because he's covered in blood, and <laughs> um, obviously Boris comes through. He's he comes through the back door because they've got the briefcase at the time, haven't they? And then obviously Boris gets it off, tries to get off them as the other guys, the pawn shop, or the duo because it's not really a trio at this time. The two of them go through there to go out the back back entrance as well. So they're all in the corridor shouting each other to put the guns down or whatever. And until um Bullet Tooth Tony just says, Avi, has it touch your toes? Pull your socks up. Pull, Pull your, your socks, socks up. up. <laughs> and then he just fires like a, a row down and obviously I think he hits everyone else ducks apart from um Boris who gets shot. No, it's but Tyrone. Tyrone, Tyrone gets oh, shot. Oh he is there then so that's it. Tyrone, Tyrone is there he gets shot. He's and in then the this corner. is when the other two then get the briefcase and <laughs> yeah. leg it. And then this is when Tony comes in and then unloads the rest of the clip into Boris, who I believe is still alive. <laughs> Don't take and, the piss, Boris. <laughs> and then goes to shoot Tyrone and obviously he's out of bullets and goes, you lucky fucker or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you, go, you, you lucky bastard. bastard. That's it. <laughs> I had a proper gun nerd moment watching that. I was counting the bullets. So <laughs> I don't know... I don't know a lot about guns, but I know that Desert Eagles have fuck all magazine. Like they're, like seven. they're all caliber. Seven or all... nine, I think. Yeah, it's about yeah, it's about nine or ten. Very rarely would it go over ten, but yeah, it's all it like it's all caliber, all punch, and not enough reserve. So yeah, I had this moment of like, if it goes over ten, I'm calling bullshit. Like this is the, like this is my turning point. <laughs> and did it? Uh no, it did not. No, it's, uh, no, I think it 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 stuck pretty true. Good. <laughs> so we're in the we're in the realms of the of the final fight, right? So like the whole thing with the diamond getting taken away and stuff like that is like we're pretty like that's we don't hear a lot more about it after that because oh I don't know we have quite a funny scene because Sol and Vinny do a runner and they go back to like the pawnbrokers and then Tony catches up with them they're about to give it to Bricktop and he catches up with them yes that's it because yeah, yeah. that isn't Vinny Jones he was arrested for fighting the night before. <laughs> So that's not him. I, that's I not him. That. That, yeah, that's yeah. not him that comes up to the window and taps on the window with the gun. That's Amazing. not Vinnie Jones. <laughs> Which is the reason why you don't see a body after Avi notices that he's been shot. <laughs> was that like a swift rewrite just because he was unavailable because he'd been arrested or something? Completely. One hundred percent. But I think it works so well. Like there's this like he Avi goes to shoot the dog because he thinks it's like it's well it has it's swallowed the diamond so he just like randomly starts like firing all over the literally the the lounge area is this the scene where the dog goes mental yeah where like i'm pretty sure lenny james actually like comes out of character because the dogs bit him oh that's earlier on they had to get a different they had yeah. to get a different dog Ah, yeah, they and this is where the dog like swallows, runs out, jumps out the window. Ah, sorry, yeah, yeah. So yeah, Abby starts shooting. Everyone like, so Abby then goes to leaves, calls um, Tony. Tony on, doesn't Tony. like follow, 
and he looks in the room and he's just like, oh, shh, fuck. And then you just see him <laughs> yeah. on a plane yeah. the next thing and he's like, uh, oh, anything to declare, don't go to England. <laughs> it's Concord, isn't it? That dates it. Yeah. Well, that's that's on. the really interesting yeah. thing because that's how it all kind of works in such yeah. a s- short space of time. So we're getting into the realms of the final fight now. This is like this. This is where I really start to see the, uh, those trademark sort of like Guy Ritchie elements, like particularly in the, like, like the Sherlock Holmes movies. There's a lot of like slow mo techniques and like sped up frames, like very kind of like grainy sped up frames. Yeah, he, he comes to use that. <laughs> maybe a little bit over the top in Sherlock mm-hmm. Holmes, but actually, coincidentally, in another fight scene, I think it works really well in Sherlock, where Downey Jr. is, like, calculating, like, the yep. fight sequence beforehand and plays it all out before he makes his divisive punch. Weirdly, another bare-knuckle boxing mm. fight. Yeah. He just likes seeing a bare-chested man, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it is. It is a good fight. Again, like there's like like the soundtrack. The soundtrack for this movie is just great, anyway. But there's just some really nice kind of like effects that they use in it, and some really nice cinematography. Like I actually always quite like the bit where he gets like the he gets landed with an upper punch, and it's just the way he flies backwards, mm. and then it cuts to Brad Pitt just kind of like in water. Mm. After that, I thought that was always quite a nice little texture to it. It was a nice little effect to throw. It in. is this odd little sequence where it's almost like a. A, clen- a cleansing of him, of a character, isn't it? I think that's what it's probably supposed to represent. And him being rebirthed when he comes back up, you know, it's that sec- yeah. second life. I know it's not, like, obvious, but I think that's what it's perhaps supposed to represent within there. I mean, because it's very similar to the scene in um, Train Spotting, sure, where yeah. he goes down the toilet, into the water, and comes back out. I think... Oh, that scene. Oh, it's not the worst scene in Train Spotting, but <laughs> no, true. <laughs> Pretty bad though. I can't. I get. I can't watch that film anymore. I haven't watched it for about fifty. Is years. that because you're now a father as well? I think that's a very one hundred percent because of the it. the baby crawling across the ceiling yeah. scene. Yeah, I've I've heard that a lot from parents. Is is that one you've? Have you seen it? I'm Lee? not going to go into the details of it because it'll upset me. But I, but it's not the bit where it's on the ceiling. No, I'll put it. Like I am that. aware yeah. of the scene in question. Um, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Hard, hard, hard watch. Um, yeah, I don't do particularly well with um, with kind of like child turmoil stuff like that in films anymore. No. Um, like, like even to the extent that like I'm watching um, a show at the moment. I'm watching Yellowstone. Oh, that's good. That with Kevin Costner, which is a great. Like it's a, like the only way I can put it is kind of like weirdly is sort of like Sons of Anarchy but with ranchers, mm. right? And and the real horses uh, instead of mechanical like, ones. Yes, exactly. Great performances. It's a very slow burn, but god damn it, if I don't like, there's just like, like like there's one like there's this kid in it, like son of one of the of one of the main characters, and god damn it, if he's not in some sort of strife, kind of like every other episode, but it's too much for me to watch. But I kind of have to watch it because I'm invested in the show, so I just kind of have to. <laughs> <laughs> to but suck it up and deal I will, with it. I will just bring it back to this film, though, because I had the same problem with the, um, I don't know, the warehouse where all the dogs are kept. Oh, the, mm. the dog fight, yes. Okay, yeah, I yeah, found course, that yeah. actually really uncomfortable again because I was like, I'd forgotten that that scene was in it and I wasn't sure what you were going to see in it. 
mm-hmm. and it did it did make me feel really uncomfortable i was like oh okay the film's aged pretty well it's not aged too badly but this i'm a little bit like uncomfortable with i was like i, I can't be doing with animals <laughs> in harm's way what well, yeah yeah and i think that's interesting because you don't for 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 this you because do, you don't see anything with the dogs no it's all implied it's all implied and you don't even see alan ford strike the dog in that scene as well like they're very i I think it is i think it is a harsh thing that they're depicting and obviously there's reasons for it but i think they also handle it kind of about as respectfully as they can in the subject matters whether that was something that alan ford had a hand in because of his 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 personal stance i'm pretty sure there is like a dog pit and there's just blood everywhere Yes, yeah. In the, I yes, think, yeah, unfortunately there is a there is an unfortunate aftermath. So that, yeah. Yeah. So that that was the only thing in the film that really kind of like mm. put me on edge. I I know some of the dialogue is a bit dated, but it's done with such like comedic effect. I think you can let it fly. I I I think so, yeah. Yeah. I I I think there's you know, I I'm sure there's certain elements in certain communities that, that feel differently, but I think for the for the for the film overall, I think there is as as is always the way with a lot of films from a lot of periods, even like right up until two thousand two thousand and one, maybe even especially in around two thousand two thousand and one and two thousand and two, there's shit that kind of the there were envelopes being pushed then that nobody thought they would, and then after a few years, as though they kind of went, oh yeah, we probably shouldn't have done that. That was that was a bit much in quite a few films, mm. which I imagine we will get to at some point. <laughs> Just because. But rolling back to this a second, obviously, like as this, the fight ends with the fact that like Mickey does not go down in the fourth. Mickey lamps a guy, lays him out completely. All hell breaks loose at the fight, and they have to run away. And while this is going on, they know Bricktop is going to kill him. Leads to this completely insane montage of that. This has been surprise, surprise. Mickey's plan. The all bait along. and switch is incredible. I love that so good as a first time view i was like oh how how's this gonna wrap up and then it's like yeah everything is like flipped on its head and it's like oh that's brilliant that's genius <laughs> yeah well i think that kind of comes after the water scene as well you know you've got mickey agrees to do the fight hmm. because he doesn't want anyone else to be killed because his his mum's just been sadly killed burnt alive in her caravan so you think he's just doing it to appease the situation so no one else gets hurt and then it is during that fight there's a there's a ter- there's a change within him which is really interesting you kind of you kind of see it and it being interspersed with like the the traveler's sight being like watched over by this group of like thugs in a van and a Range Rover yeah and you start to feel like really uneasy that something's going to happen here but as as you say the bait and switch is so unexpected hmm. unbelievable and you never see him again you never see him again like mickey like they steal his car like they steal bricktop's car they drive off into the sunset and you never see them or the rest of the community again because they up sticks and move the campsite and they leave while it's while it turns out that doesn't like mickey put a fuck ton of money on himself yeah he's betting on himself to, yeah the whole time yeah, it's the um the whole whole scene because like when he goes down, it's like you've got the narration again by Jason Statham, and he's like saying, "If we come out, if we leave early, 
we're going to be killed. Uh, uh, and then it's like they're walking out and it's all about like being deer in the headlights because obviously what they say is bricked up in his car. And then obviously he, what, he, he leans in and goes, give me the shooter. Um, I'll give you a shooter, you cunt you. And, and, then, and then obviously, yeah, and then obviously all you hear it goes off and then let's talk about the speech about deer in headlights and you just pull a face when you when you think your life's over. And you can see like the, the tur- like um, Turkish and Tommy are like putting some weird faces and, but Mickey's just dead pat. He just, he knows what's about to happen. Hmm. And that's, that leads into it because obviously... Yeah. They've already took, killed the guys in the car, so they shoot Bricktop with a shotgun, point blank or something like that, mm. take him and Arrow out, um, so they know what's going on, and they just drive, obviously drive off in that car. They drive in a car? Yeah. Um, they they, mm-hmm. they yeah. steal his car, yeah, yeah they steal, steal his car, they pick car. up Mickey and drive off, yeah. and then at the same time you flip and see the, all his, all the other sort of um, travellers up on the ridge just literally <laughs> un, unleash hell on the, the, the Range Rover and the van. So many shotgun shells going off in that last scene. It is just unreal. It, 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 it's, it, it's so good. It's when everything also starts sort of neatly tying itself up. Tommy picks up a new dog at the end, so the police don't get to ask too many questions. Well, they go to the travel site trying to find... Because basically they, they were like, let's get him to box for us or something like that. They're going to him. Um, and then obviously then literally it's gutted. There's like some burnt out wreckage of some of something, but it's literally gone. And then obviously because obviously they found a shitload of but the police found a lot of bodies, didn't they? So they mm. turned up trying to find the travellers that were involved in it who'd gone. And they were like, "What are you doing here?" And it was like, obviously, I'm taking a dog for a walk. And then they hear mm. the dogs. I'm taking the dog for a walk. Yeah. You get it? And then like, what's in the, it's the it's, it happens twice in the same sort of same scene. It's like what's in what's in the car? Seats in a steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> And of course, they get the dog and then drive off. At the same time, they drive past the um, solemn pawn shop. Solemn, yeah, solemn Vinny. Solemn Vince are there, um, aren't driving they? in because they've got. Um, is it Frankie in the car? They got the Frankie body? and oh, no, is it Bullet Tooth? Tony. They got yeah. them both in there because one of them goes, "Why well, has one of these got a Tico's on the red?" But everything that happens to Solomon Vinny, they got from like, America's Dumbest Criminals. It's all <laughs> things that have actually happened to criminals. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> so when they, so they take the dog to the vet. This is all kind of like in narration, but like they take the dog to the vet so that Tommy can keep him and make sure that everything's okay. And they find it's a squeaky toy, isn't it? That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, squ- squeaky, yeah, it's it's a squeaky, squeaky toy. toy. A half-eaten shoe, a squeaky yeah. toy, <laughs> and a whatever size, yeah, whatever carrot diamond. What the diamond fuck? Do I know the about size diamond? of a fucking yeah. fist. Yeah. <laughs> And they go and see the only man that they know for a diamond, and that is Doug the Head. And we go, the movie comes full circle. We end where we started because he knows a guy and Dennis Farina is going to be right back on the plane. <laughs> Credits roll. And in a nutshell, that, that is the film. I mean, this movie, I, yeah, there's a, like there's a lot that like I didn't really think about this movie for a long time. Certainly didn't notice it the first, you know, kind of like few years that I was watching it. Like for example, I never clicked on the fact that nearly every death in this movie happens off camera. Yeah, there's no gratuitous mm. like no. Um, deaths in it, is there? No, not at all. But I think that also makes for comedy as well. It's like mm. when um, Frankie gets shot in the head, you don't you don't see it, you just know it happens. Yeah, and you just see the aftermath. It's the same as you know, uh, Vinnie Jones's character. You don't see him get shot. It's it's the aftermath of what makes it funny. So it just—I mean, I guess for that one, they didn't really have well, a choice, no choice because he was in jail. 
<laughs> well, even in the flashback where he's like, Tony, you silly fuck. Where he gets shot in the face, where, you know, you don't, just that little bit of blood coming out of his mouth. That's it. Yeah. With that amazing mullet. <laughs> I'm going to get, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm going to get into the in the nitty gritty of the box office in a sec, but there was something that I wanted to talk about because there was a deleted scene that did not make the movie, which was on the DVD, which is where you actually find out like Tony actually goes to see Bricktop. He goes to see Bricktop during the movie. Can't remember if Avi's with him or not. Yeah, but he gets into a fight. You work yeah, out Avi's that, like, with him. Tony because you find out Tony used to do some stuff for for Bricktop for kind of went you know independent, and he and Errol is you know like Bricktop's main heavy they have some bad blood and they've got this little back and forth which i'm really gutted they didn't mm. keep in the film it's really worth it i'll see if i can find it yeah. and throw it in the basically yeah. it's, it's worth watching tony basically stabs errol's cousin laurie and about it's going back and forth and then all of a sudden he's um brick top and Avi, they're in an office talking all of a sudden you oh he's pissed in my fucking pocket so bullet tooth is actually just pissed into Errol's pocket, and uh, it's just what the fuck. And it's like it's such a ridiculous thing, but it gives you a different it gives you a different tone to kind of like Tony's backstory yeah. and, and and what he's capable of. Yeah, and it's like, aren't you house trained, Tony? <laughs> and it's like he calls the barman Fringe, and he's got no hair at all. That's about when it when he comes in, he goes, "Oh, you mean Mister Polford?" Like, no, you know what I mean, Fringe. Now fuck off and find him. Oh, yeah, that that one deleted oh, scene well. should have been in. Yeah, um, I'm gonna jump to the box office info uh, that I was digging out the other day, which I found out. So this movie had an estimated budget approximately $6 million, which for 2000 you know, not anything to sniff at. Box office for the movie had a domestic box office in America of $30,328,156. So even at that point, it made its money back. But what's interesting, and this shows exactly how it was perceived by international audiences... Because international audiences, which in in these figures would include ourselves, was fifty three million two hundred and twenty nine thousand seven hundred and eighty six dollars. So international box office made just under sixty four percent of its entire takings. Mm. Movies that it beat at the box office that year. Now I actually had to have a look at this because in the movie came out in the start of December two thousand. Takings for it were so low at that point I could not find the domestic box office for that gross for 2000. I actually had to go to 2001 because it was only something like a couple of grand that it made in that year. So in 2001, movies that it beat was Dude, Where's My Car? <laughs> Freddy Got Fingered. Josie and the Pussycats. Pokemon 3. Memento. It beat Memento at the box office. Yeah. Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles. <laughs> And just beat Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. Hmm. God, was that the same year? Oh my God. Yeah. 2001. Jesus. Saw that at the cinema. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure yeah. I did. I think it was with you. Yeah, we must have, isn't it? Yeah. So it was just interesting to like hear like the types of films that were out at that time. Like so, 2000, 2001. It was that really like kind of gross out American comedies were really big, weren't they? Like American Pie. Yeah, road, off, ro- road yeah. trip yeah. and yeah, dude, where's my car? It was all kind of like that's what America was kind of seen as, and it actually, the the polar opposite, like Guy Ritchie, kind of was doing like that hard boiled kind of British film, 
Yeah. You know, it's, they were both very, very different because, you know, 2000, oh, you, know, you know, the other big, big British film at that time was um, Billy Elliot had come out as well. Was that the same? Fuck off. Well, that was 2000. So <laughs> that's that when the, the film cinema. came out, isn't it? So, yeah. I can't believe that was 20 years, 22 years ago. Well, this isn't going to help you feel any better, oh, Lee, God. because movies that beat Snatch in 2001 were... Okay, so these... Are, I've chosen some obscure Make ones, but I'll get into the top ten in Go a minute. <laughs> so, first one that it just beat Snatch was not another teen movie, the parody movie that Chris Evans doesn't want to remember making. <laughs> I've seen that once. Jesus Christ. <laughs> you own it! Like, no, <laughs> no, no, I, no, I don't own it. I rented it. I, I don't own ah, it. I don't own I it. Oh, no, it. sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. I own it. Yeah. Sorry. That's what... yeah. Yeah. Snatch was beaten by From Hell with Johnny mm-hmm. Depp. Oh. Zoolander, oh, fuck Moulin Rouge, Swordfish. Are these all the same fucking year? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So is this? Oh, so is this? It gets better. Two thousand or two thousand. Training Day beat it. Two thousand. So we're going two thousand one. Yeah. Training Day beat mm-hmm. it. And the top ten for that year. Oh, God. Number ten was Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship of the Ring. Oh, <laughs> oh that hits hard. Yeah. I can't believe that is that old. Now, do keep in mind that because that's number 10, because that was actually... Only released in December, didn't it? 163 million that it was released in December. So in mm, that one month, yeah. it made $163 million. That's insane. Hmm. Number, nine, number nine was Hannibal. Yeah. Oh, Eight I was Tim that. Burton's Planet of the Apes. Eh. Seven is Jurassic Park 3. Eh. <laughs> Six is Pearl Harbor. <laughs> Please, ma'am, don't take away my wings. <laughs> It's a shame to say I have seen that. <laughs> Number five is The Mummy Returns. Yeah, uh, okay. I saw that at the cinema. Yeah, I love that film. film. Number four was Rush Hour 2. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you ain't going to be in Rush Hour 3. <laughs> Classic. Oh, what a film. You, you can tell the IQ of our, of the podcast, can't you, just from that reaction? <laughs> <laughs> That may or may not be on the list. Number three was Monsters, Inc. Number two was Shrek. And number one in the box office that year in 2001 was a little low-budget movie that some people may have heard of called Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Mm. Eh. Of all the films. Oh, no, eh. I... (laughs) Oh, I agree. Philosopher's Stone, not great. It's made for the not great. CGI not hold up at all now. No, but I mean it's I mean with the Harry Potter stuff, it's because it's you grow up you mainly grow up with the kids, so it's yeah. It's lighthearted. I like for, as an adult, I like the later films because it does get a lot darker. Hmm. Yeah. Um I think that's yeah. why but it does it grows if you see it gradually grows darker as the kids grow up. Star yeah. Wars um, with midgets, that's what I call Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> so while I was doing digging on this movie, I found so uh, in Rotten Tomatoes, the scores that I found for that as a critic's choice was 74%. So quite reasonable. Audience score was 93%. Wow. This is the highest rated movie we have done so far, I believe, mm. at an audience level. I think beloved is the term that could be used for it. In a nutshell. I struggle to think of anyone I know who's seen the film who's gone, oh yeah, it's shit, don't bother. I honestly don't 
I couldn't imagine any anyone we know saying that. Well, no one we know. I did find some. <laughs> oh, yes. I mean, because I, I feel like if you if for, for British people, you probably most people are going to like it. I think. Yeah, it's very very um, quintessentially like, British, for, isn't it? It's like like out of those you said like the sixty three million are made in in in, in the um. International, international box office yeah. i wonder how much of that was actually from the uk hmm. if it was broken down hmm. that far because yeah it, it really only appeals to the uk market i mean there's right a, in America, there's a but... real like th- narrow margin for like the sense of humor hmm. in this isn't there it, it, it's not like it's you know you could kind of like they make lines you know cockney references it, it takes quite a bit to kind of like work it out at least if you're like at least if you're english you can you know what's going on. You get to you get to grips with it pretty quickly. And as I said earlier, you kind of you've grown up with that kind of sense of humour. So perhaps, especially for our age group, perhaps that's the kind of sense of humour where it's just like it's just matured and peaked at the right time for us. Yeah, true. And now perhaps anyone younger, maybe in their teens today, might not really get it because it's a it's a part of England or London that doesn't really exist anymore. You know. London's not Cockneys anymore. It's more bearded hipsters from <laughs> Shoreditch, 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 and, and that area. So it's a very different kind of London to what's what's known now. And I, I think that's what made it so like popular and so important for the time. It really like nailed nailed England at the time. Yeah, I'd agree. But obviously, we're about to find out someone didn't like it yes well quite um so i did actually try and find some some five-star reviews for this but they weren't very funny it was literally a beloved movie to talk about how and even one star reviews ones that i really could dig out were talking about like the quality of the of, of the product and stuff like that i did however find two that did amuse me which was one of them just said one star turned it off after 15 minutes couldn't work out what was going on and didn't want to <laughs> That's a, that's a shame. Were they were they English or Barry Norman? <laughs> <laughs> and the other one, which I thought was just brilliant, was the headline is "Consult Your Doctor." <laughs> <laughs> to which they said, "To say this is not as good as Lockstock is like saying a meal that gives you food poisoning is worse than one that merely induces you to vomit." <laughs> There was a bit of a think about that. Strange analogy, that isn't it? Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I would be like, whoever wrote that, if you didn't like Lockstock, why the fuck did you watch this yeah. film? <laughs> well, quite. I want to get into recommendations quickly now. For me, I think it is a unanimous yes. For me, uh, like unequivocally, I think it's it's definitely one that I urge people to watch at least once. If you've never watched a Guy Ritchie movie before in your life, this is probably the, the the best one to start with i think over lockstock the way that i see this is sort of the way i see kind of like guy Ritchie's sort of early movies is kind of the way that i see the cornetto trilogy <laughs> if that makes sense so you have Shaun of the dead which is a very well put together film and and beloved by the, the core fandom it, like with Shaun of the dead there's more kind of things that lean more towards like spaced if you know references and things about production and so forth whereas then you have hot fuzz which i think snatch is kind of a parallel to or can be seen as a parallel to which is bigger budget more studio involvement still great story more easily accessible does that make sense Mm -hmm. yeah i think it goes like snatch it goes for laughs quite Mm -hmm. quickly that's not a detriment to either of the films not at all not at all but that's what it does it tries to it's gone for a bigger audience 
broader comedy. It's, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, it's what it's done, yeah. So, I mean, Lee, I want to I go to you first as the new viewer into this. Tell us, tell us your thoughts, your... Yeah, I mean... Your recommendations. The risk of burying the lead. I mean, it was... Uh, yeah, I went in not expecting to like this, put it that way. I was like, oh, you know, I'll watch it. You know, I'm aware of, you know, a bit of what it's about. But I, I had no real idea of the plot. I only sort of knew the kind of, you know, a few sort of veiled references here and there when people quote it. So I went in thinking, oh, it's going to be a really dreary, dour film about, you know, I've no idea what, you know, apparently they'll go and meet some Irish gypsies at some point. What I actually ended up watching was a, a very witty comedy with a great sort of, I suppose not plot twist at the end, but like, you know, the bait and switch at the end, like, you know, just a, a fun little kind of two hour story, which I really enjoyed. And I'm actually open yeah. to watching again and... You know, yeah, I'll I'll give Lockstock a go. Obviously, it's a darker film, but you know, I'm still I'm open to it. You know, mm, real. I'm really glad. Ollie, how about yourself? Well, this is where I feel really sorry for that person that turned off after 15 minutes because, <laughs> as you know, Lee alluded to there, like not so much the bait and switch, but just like the way the story twists and turns, mm. but and overlaps each other, but how all of those like parallels just come together right at the end and then just kind of shoot past each other as well, which is what I really like. I mean, that's that's all credit, I, I guess, to the writers and Guy Ritchie, the director himself, like having the vision to like put it to celluloid. I really in, enjoy the way that it's edited as well. And the music in it, I think, is great. All, you know, all but the Madonna song, because, you know, that had to be put in there because <laughs> she was wife at the time. Oh yeah, and this where he goes. Oh, I love this song. Yeah, yeah it, it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. He's got mullet in the car window. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I think it's a really, it is a really enjoyable film, and it's an, and it's a great like sign of the times, which is what I like. It's, it's, it's I know it's only a few years ago, but it's kind of like of a of a bygone era, and I and I like that. I mean, yeah. you say a few years ago. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it, it, is, it literally is a bygone era. Yeah. <laughs> Two decades ago. <laughs> it is. It is old enough to rent its own. Car. <laughs> <laughs> so I, w- I would recommend this as it's a it's a it's a really like in, enjoyable film that that goes yeah. at a great at a great turn and <laughs> has some really like memorable acting and memorable lines in it and that's what i really enjoy in a in a film brilliant damien how about yourself sir i'll heartily heartily recommend this film it's it was that weird phase of from 96 to say 2002 three where anything cool britannia anything we did people were interested in it yeah you know, and Oh, how the turntables. <laughs> um, and this is kind of like Michael Bay without the explosions. It's that quick bump, 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 goldfish span attention, but by Christ, it's got some funny lines. Quote, like I said, we watched the shit out of that DVD. I'm surprised it didn't yeah. have a hole in it. I had to buy it twice, I do think, actually. No. I, mean, you, I, I mean, I hate to tell you this, but DVDs do have holes <laughs> well, in you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I had to I ended up buying it twice. But, um, yeah, no, it's one of those things I wish we had managed to get it at the cinema just to have seen it there. Yeah. 
because the trailer was just so missing. It was just took the piss out of itself. And again, like we I often say, so we want to be entertained by these, and it's so entertaining. Hardly, highly recommend. Agreed. Luke, finishing up with yourself as your choice. Did this hold up for you? Would you still recommend it? Yes. <laughs> Short, so, sweet, so, I like uh, it. I'm, I mean, uh, the reason why I recommended it because I had fond memories. I remember because I hadn't seen it for a while, but it it's funny. It's got so many memorable quotes. Um, I mean, just say, just like you saying the quotes to me makes me chuckle because I, I say I just picture <laughs> the scene in my head. Um, yeah, I, I mean, Lee Lee said it. He's not seen it before and he's recommended it. Um, I don't think it will. I think it appeals to more of a British person, um, especially those uh, are probably, like I said, a bit more older that were around those. I mean, around those. I mean, a kid now, like a teenager now, probably won't get it as much. Still might enjoy it. Yeah. I'd also recommend it. But I would say go and watch it. It's a, it's it's funny. It's a laugh. It's not. It's I for me, it's an easy watch. It's um, very British, isn't it? I think that's what yeah. appeals to us as a group. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, brilliant. Go go watch yeah, it absolutely. if you if you somehow listen to this podcast and you haven't watched it. Go watch it. Go watch it, you slags. <laughs> Come on, you bastards. <laughs> well, as we draw to a close this episode, we do have some business to tend to before we sign off, and that is we have one final birthday choice to break down this year. <laughs> Which, by the aghast look on his face. I'm not 42. He's pissed off. (laughs) (laughs) So it is Damien's choice to close Mm. out the birthday choices this year. Now, sir, um, you know, I I, I talked about this last episode. You know, we are a little behind schedule with with all of this, but we all get there Mm. eventually. So please regale us. Tell us what you've got in store for us on our next recording. Well, gentlemen. Uh, I spoke to Gareth and wondered, as as we did two last October for Halloween, as we, I'd said, are you doing it or are you too busy? And he's very busy. So I've picked something that means something to me a lot. And it's also fitting for the holiday that's coming at the end of the month. I think this, I think this is going to be another one we all love. Um, it was the number one film the year it came out in every, everywhere it played apart from the the city where it is set, because the citizens of that particular city were so fed up of roads being closed and things being blocked off for film for filming this film, they just didn't want to go and see it. So they went to watch Gremlins instead. We have brought this film up more times than any other film, bar Toy Story three, I believe, <laughs> as well. Um, <laughs> what I do believe Transformers the movie. <laughs> <laughs> So for those of you that have been experiencing dread with things like Super Mario and Star Crash, I have the answer. Get your giant Twinkies, boys. Dogs and cats yes. are living together. Mass hysteria. Do not cross the streams. <laughs> Ghostbusters, ladies and gentlemen, is Incredible. our next one. Incredible. Fantastic. <laughs> Lee, have you watched this one? I, I, I think I might have, yeah. <laughs> oh, I knew you watched it the other day. <laughs> well, there you have it, fellow geeks and nerds. 
Available to stream on Amazon Prime Video, Ivan Reitman's 1984 supernatural smash hit, Ghostbusters, will be coming to you next episode. Excellent. Cannot wait. You're welcome. <laughs> now, as we reach the end of this episode, all that's really left for me to do now is to say thank you to the collective for joining me this episode. Thank you all. Thank you very thank much, you. gentlemen. Always thank a pleasure. You. And last but not least, thank you to you, the listeners out there, for taking the time out to listen to another of what we hope is an entertaining retrospective to some fan-favorite movies through the years and hope you join us for the next one as well. Until next time, end of line. <laughs>